0: again to Performing the Arts. My name, as always, is Brian M. Davis. I forgot what uh, season it is. I think this is the tail end of season three. If not, this might be season four. But welcome back. And yeah, so today I'm talking to one of my friends, Mo. He is a a film major at Brooklyn College, or at least that's how I remember him, because
1: I'm a theater major, actually, but
0: I am involved in the film community there. Okay, No uh we kind of like got together last year for a um a thing that I don't want to talk about but it'd it be because it'd be like a long discussion about the the cluster the cluster that was uh the club thing but anyway uh I got to know him and he's a not only is he a a, a great person to be around but he's a talented musician too so Mo, oh, how did you get into the performing arts?
1: Um it it depends on what sense you're asking. I guess it was always a part of my interests. I used to um I started playing guitar at a young age. Um and I guess I just committed with it and pretty much all aspects of the performing arts is always Grown out from that. Um, I also love to draw a lot, and I kept doing that. Um, most of my interests have lied in animation, and I feel like animation and music do go hand in hand. So, as I would try yeah. to improve myself as an animator, I would try to improve myself as a musician. And one thing I really wanted to do was make a uh, little cartoon band because I had no friends to make a band with so I was like why not learn to make the music myself and do that never happened uh, but still something I'm like keeping in my back pocket yeah. Um, I've and...
0: seen your, yeah, I've seen your animation work it is quite nifty for the most part because it's uh, you... yeah and but yeah uh, continue
1: Uh, so, um, I was really the most vocal. I didn't actually start singing until I was well into high school. Um, I did form a band in high school, uh, with a couple of friends. This is when I lived in Dubai. I lived, I lived in the, uh, I lived in the UAE for two years, um, my eighth grade in middle school and then high school freshman year, um that's again a long story uh but in high school I made a band with a few people one of whom I still talk to I'm friends with uh his name's Creed he lives in Vermont now um and I was the guitarist and they kind of forced me into the singing position because no one else wanted to and I didn't know how to say no so uh that's where that began I was not very good there's definitely a video out there of me singing clint eastwood by gorillas um the next year i joined the school musical when i moved back to new jersey um and i got an ensemble role again i wasn't really that great of a i consistently my voice i know as a fact is not terrible but i don't think it's very amazing either i'm very aware of the fact that my voice is not the greatest, but I do like to sing for fun. I think it's nice to be able to sing my own songs. Um, But lately, I've mostly been focusing on animation and film and all that stuff, but I do like to implement my own music in there. Um, So, um, I did do more musicals in high school but i kind of just stopped with um this bergen pack performance of west side story i didn't even sing in that one i was uh, officer shrank but fun fact about that performance um person who played maria in it uh rachel zegler of the upcoming west side story remake coming out next year it's a shame it wasn't supposed to come out this year but yeah next year
0: yeah, there's a lot of. Uh... It's sad because the both the West Side Story and the In the Heights uh, adaptations actually look pretty good. Well, In the Heights look good since I've only seen bits and pieces from what was shown in classes. And West Side, West
1: Side Story is nothing yet.
0: Yeah, outside of, uh, I believe, just pro- uh, promo pictures and stuff like that. So it's like.
1: Yeah, it's mostly stills and very clearly. Um...
0: But very it is, clearly,
1: stuff made for promo.
0: Yeah, but it is still Spielberg, uh, Spielberg so you have to expect Spielberg is going to be like top at his top game, so to speak. So yeah, and I think it's a
1: mixed bag with Spielberg. There are a lot of movies by him that are great, like um, his classics Jaws, E.T., um, and even some newer stuff. I was quite a fan of what was that one with Meryl Streep uh, about the uh, Nixon. Um, uh, I was about to say like, Bridge of spies. George,
0: no, that not, was not
1: Bridge of spies. Um, came out recently. I I know what you're talking can about. Look it, it up it now. Was, while I...
0: was it about the paper? Like
1: the, yes,
0: it might be the Washington Post or maybe the Post, something like that. But it was. I think it was about the Washington Post.
1: It was about uh oh, the Post. Yeah, the Post. The Post, like movie. The Post. Um, I really like the Post a lot, but I feel like. Every, nowadays, every time he makes one good movie, there will be one piece of crap in between it. Like, I know The Post came out around the VFG, which yeah. I didn't like very much. And then I think also before The Post was Ready Player One, which I'm one people, of those people... Yeah, a lot of people have I,
0: said, it's yeah, better than I, the
1: book. It's <laughs> <I've laughs> way better than the book, but... I've, I've heard the look. book is pretty bad.
0: Yeah, it's like... The term for the book... Was I believe very masturbatory fanboyism, like yeah. It was like really, really going. Was like hey, remember Pong? Or was like hey, remember this? Like that's like like really. I mean, that's
1: the same thing with the, that's the same thing with the movie though. It's all that, and the characters and dialogue are just so <laughs> cheesy. Like yeah. this main lo- like romantic plotline is about this guy who's not really that attractive, even though he's this hunk of a 20-something-year-old, and the girl is like, no, you don't want to meet me in real life. I'm not really beautiful. Meanwhile, she's like this gorgeous Hollywood type, and her big thing is that she has one birthmark over here. Like, yeah, you know, I might have the jawline of a supermodel, but my eye has a
0: bruise over it. Yeah, like, it, it's, like the, it's like the same thing with Phantom of the Opera with Gerard Butler. It's like, oh, you know, Phantom of the Opera classic uh musical character you know he's supposed to be this very dis, you know uh disfigured guy and some of the productions have actually showed that he can be very disfigured you know that sort of thing and some of the productions have shown that, like he could still be beautiful but still be disfigured and then joe Schumacher, and i recently like watched the, the thing like just last year or so it still holds up it's just that you have to remember, this is Gerard Butler, and this is practically before or after, I, I forget which, but it was, either, I think it was probably before 300, but still Gerard Butler at his like most prime. And it's like, you can't really pass off Gerard Butler as a disfigured person as the Phantom of the Opera. It's like, you could, but at the same time, it's like, it's, it's like trying to do, it's like the same thing with like, like Les Miserables. It's like uh like Hugh Jackman as uh as the main as the you know main guy and then it's like, oh he's supposed to be like this thief, all that stuff. And it's like there are way like I understand there are ways to do like stunt casting, like, oh, cast like the biggest type of actor for this role and see if they could, you know, see the bite and you know stuff like that. Sometimes that's, that's funny, um like that sometimes it works, especially for musicals, you know. Mamma Mia. I wasn't gonna expect Meryl Streep to burst out a good performance, but, you know, this is Meryl Streep, and she sings, you know, moduling well, and she does an entertaining version of a lot of those a- ABBA songs. The same with, um, who's it called? Uh, not Pierce, well, Pierce Brosnan just sounds like Pierce
1: his- Brosnan was the weakest link of the entire yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's like, I was like, it just sounds like Pierce Brosnan is just when like, all those happy days isn't
1: hard to find. Like, that's, that's how he sounds.
0: Yeah, but, uh, Like, he's was taking it? shit. <laughs> Colin Firth, I think it was Colin Firth and Stellan Stelzko, I was like, they sing rather well for, you know, for non, for actors who don't, who are musicians. And
1: I think the thing about Mamma Mia that I feel like I, I was talking about this with Gab today because yesterday um, we watched Little Shop of Horrors. What I'm doing with Gab and Trzai is we're watching a Halloween movie every day of the month. And yesterday was Little Shop of Horrors it's probably the best stage to screen adaptation. And we are oh, yeah. talking about how Les Mis was bad, how Sweeney Todd was fine, but still like not as good as the stage version of Sweeney Todd. And then yeah. one that I forgot to mention was Mamma Mia because Mamma Mia as a movie is its own thing. It's yeah. not trying to like, it's the same thing as a musical. It is not trying to be this a big, musical. grand, it's, it's just a, Fun thing for wine moms and Stone teenagers yeah. to laugh at. <laughs> so um, it's it is very entertaining. I remember watching um, with a bunch of friends in my hometown. We watched the first Mia movie and then went to the theater just down the block to watch the second one. The second one is better.
0: <laughs> yeah, which have is- you seen the second one? Uh, only bits and pieces of it. And and the it's, weird thing is, the weird thing is like I know who stars in it too. It's like oh, it, but I've I've only heard that the second one is oh it has like a share cameo or at least a share supporting role. I'm like, I'm like oh okay share you know she's not really tied to Mama Mia but I mean Abba but she is the '70s so it's like you gotta have that if you're doing something about the '70s you gotta have a share reference or some sort of- share
1: yeah share. It's exactly it's it's Cher. There's no
0: there's reason no other than, way to go with it. It's no reason other than well, it's just Cher, so you know. It adds nothing to
1: the plot. It's it's something to do with the fact that she's uh Sophie's grandmother, uh and she sings Fernando. It's like they just had a cover of Cher singing Fernando riding around and they said, Hey, you want to appear in this movie, and she was like, "Okay, I have nothing to do this weekend." Yeah, why not? It looks like they genuinely had, like, they looked like they had fun. It wasn't like *Les Mis*, where it was trying to be this big Oscar bait movie, or actually, pretty much all of these movie musicals. It's
0: especially it's just
1: *Mamma Mia*, especially but, *Cats*. Yeah, we were we were going on about how there were bad. Decisions made with each of these movies, like Miz was obviously bad direction. Like Hugh Jackman's a good performer, they just kind of gave him the wrong thing. Um, but *Cats* was a disaster from the start. It's oh, yeah.
0: There's it's about, no like the moment you heard, oh the the shoots are gonna be CGI. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Just like pack it up, we're done. And,
1: I I gave up on that movie the second I heard it was an ad adaptation of cats
0: <laughs> i it's... mean uh, which is hilarious it's like uh, it's like and reading about cats because i never actually knew what the story about cats was until i actually until the movie came out it was like, i always assumed oh Cats, it was like a musical about a couple of feral kitties or something like that and then i started reading about the the, the, the musical and stuff i'm like this is insane and, uh, and yeah like, it's i'm like there's this guy who can teleport i'm like wait wait, wait 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 i'm like wait what there's magic in this i'm like wait a minute he goes all the way up into space i'm like wait wait, what i'm like
1: it's it's we insane to... as a plot yeah. you can't make it as a cgi-esque live act like i don't know if it's considered like cgi entirely because the characters are cgi they're motion capture but the faces and the sets mostly are live action, with some CGI altercations. Yeah, that's the problem, though. The thing that most most cats fans, from what I've gathered, don't like the plot of Cats. They think the music is eh. The thing they like about it is the costumes, the, the set design, and the dancing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's all of it's all that shit. It, you can't make. Cats without those, and the fact that they sacrificed the costumes, the fact that it's not really a dance heavy musical, it sucks for people who like cats, and it sucks for people who don't know about cats.
0: Yeah, I think also it's hilarious to know that Cats might be the first movie to have a day one patch because <laughs> I that actually, too. yeah, I was like, I actually heard it was like, oh, you know, Dame Julie Jones doesn't have fur around her, f- and there's like an. an- Okay, you know what? Uh, we're gonna have to pass this movie, and then and then the weekend after is like they have a new patch of the movie. I'm like, how? It's like that is because ins- I've always heard because the last time I heard about that was with Crystal Skull, and I remember vividly because I remember actually going to see Crystal Skull with my father, and I vividly remember at the end of the movie, Harrison Ford just looking at Childa uh, Buff and just going, "Not this time, kid," or something like that. And when it came out a home video or something like that, there was no line where it goes it just just cuts to him it, it literally just shows him grabbing the the hat and just like walking away smiling no no uh uh no prippy line whatnot so it's like it, i think it is getting to a point where movies now have the technology to add, like literally just like up to literally be like a okay you know it's like oh, it's a three gigab uh, gigabyte uh Gigabyte update. Eh, okay, here you go. It's like, and this is the movie. It's like, you know, it might, but yeah, it's cats itself. It sounds insane, and watching some of the movie feels like it's a fever dream. So yeah, and I, it's it's interesting though that the change was something
1: that you still see on screen because I have heard of movies while they're in theaters um, getting. Some sort of editing. Like, there's this one movie that was targeted towards kids about, um, what was it? It was about show dogs. And one of the scenes is about how judges like to, you know, grab the show dogs by the balls. Yeah. And see how they're doing down there. And of course, it's a kid's movie. A lot of parents complained. So they just cut that scene while it was in theaters. It was a uh, late but cats, I feel like is different from what you're mentioning. And then also, as you said in Jones, that's a home media change. I feel like those happen just uh, strangely frequently. Yeah, like Lion King I know had some changes from home media. Star Wars infamous for yeah. changes to home media. Um but cats is a as you said, a day one patch. They If you saw that movie opening weekend, you have a different experience than most of the people who saw it. Yeah. But in the end, it's still all misery. Yeah. I don't think the problem came to uh, Dame Judy Dench's hands. It was...
0: A lot more than just that. It was. Yeah, Uh, But speaking of music, uh, and the fact that Cass does have Ian McKellen... I mean, sorry, Sir Ian McKellen just randomly there... Uh, I know he was actually in the Beauty and the Beast one. Did you actually see the the live action? Because I know you just mentioned Lion King. I uh, I haven't really bothered with the live action Disney adaptations. I think I only got up to, and maybe stopped after Malphish. Uh, uh, B- Maleficent. Maleficent. Thank you. I'm I'm very tongue tied. Maleficent. As this. Maleficent. See, this is hard. Yeah. This is what happens when you when you have a guy who just speaks like fast and his mind even speaks faster. So Maleficent, yeah, I believe I stopped around Maleficent, so I never really got that was up. like that was early on with the remakes. Yeah, so I was like, eh, like yeah, no, because I know it came out, it was like all oh, this Maleficent, there's Cinderella, I'm like, oh okay, I just see what they gotta do. They gotta just do like uh, the straight remake. Adaptations, no music, all that stuff, stuff like that. And sure enough, once uh, Beauty and Beast came out, it's just like, oh, we have a surefire rocket thing. Oh, no, no, no! I uh, out of all the the recent remakes that they saw with Disney in the, in the musical ones was Aladdin, which I thought was actually entertaining. You know, Aladdin. I auditioned for that movie.
1: Uh, really. Yeah, I got one. Like it was a multi-step, uh, uh, process. I got got past the first step, which was just sending the tape, and then they asked, "Okay, can you sing this and read these lines?" And I never heard from them again. Uh, it was quite entertaining, but it, the script that they gave me, the little side they gave me, seemed like a. Downgrade already because it was the scene where, um, what's her face? Jasmine is talking yeah. with her maid, uh, who wasn't in the original movie, and they wanted to, um, you know, he thought that she was the maid and the maid was the princess and whatnot, um,
0: but because if yeah, already because <laughs> if they've already worked with the Star Wars, it's like, yeah. I feel yeah, like that yeah. was like that was a plot line that they were, because that was a plot line they already did with Star Wars, which was oh the maid was actually the like the handmaid was actually the princess and the princess was that maid, so it was like.
1: But yeah, so I, there it kind of works. Here it, it doesn't. Yeah, it just it feels weird good. because she ends up being the genie's love interest and the actress is like twenty years younger than Will Smith.
0: Yeah, and the genie is well, and well, the genie. 2000 years old so age doesn't really matter but in real, true. in real life it's just like she's like 20 years younger than Will Smith and Will Smith was like literally in his early 50s when the movie came out or when he was doing the movie but yeah I felt it was an interesting take I don't mind what they did with Jafar I just feel like his thing just came out of nowhere because it's like oh it's Jafar it's like He's already evil. All that stuff, but I feel like they have. I feel like they didn't build up Jafar the way they would have done just regularly. Because it's like the same thing with Marvel movies. It's like for the past, like until uh, I want to say like after or before Thor Ragnarok or around that area, there. Villains were kind of like very one-noted like that sort of thing. They really didn't take the Like around the time when Thor Ragnarok was coming out. So I guess like when homecoming was coming out or Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was coming out like around that area Like that's when all these Marvel movies started like really really helping their villains becoming a lot more like villains But when I was watching the last remake uh, Adaptation like Jafar really didn't come out as being all he's a villain. He's just a villain for the sake of villainy. He just comes off as being very one-noted. And in a musical, like I don't even remember even if he had like the villain song where he goes about how he loves being like like the, like in every musical there's always that villain song where it's like the villain has that. Uh, The
1: original Aladdin didn't have a uh, real villain song. He had the reprise of Prince Ali. But Honestly I think Jafar was enough of a bad bitch to not need <laughs> a full villain song. Um but I do agree with you. I think the one thing that Disney live action remakes keep failing on that um it's
0: like they don't uh probably the villains don't slap. Yeah. Like it's... they're not fun. Yeah, like Gaston in uh, Beauty and the Beast because Cash Luke Evans and Luke Evans is a charismatic actor, and you have jo- uh, Josh Gag as as Best Side Bandu, who, yeah, as his sidekick, and it's like they don't really do much outside of just being, you know, Josh Cag being essa- essentially uh, um, what's his character from Frozen, uh, Olaf. Olaf. In in, uh, in in live action form, you know, which I don't think is probably a good, the uh, script. Uh, character
1: but, but it's also great that they decided to make his character gay yeah so that the first disney character that they have as gay is a character named the fool in french <laughs> oh wow it's so they're trying to be progressive but then they end up kind of shooting themselves in the foot, in the foot. and yeah. being and being just as problematic as they were in the past I think it's even worse than something like The Crows from Dumbo. I mean, not as bad, of course, but, like, the fact that they're trying and then not confronting other problems they have, it just it makes Disney more problematic than they actually are. I still see all these remakes. I still did my dumb little Disney marathon two years ago, but I do have an issue with the way they're trying to like, eat around the bush of the fact that they all
0: were problematic yeah i think they're trying to update it to 2012 2012 uh to 21st 21st century standards where it's like oh we've seen your problems and we're gonna try and not be as problematic as we were but at the same time you're still doing stuff that feels problematic at the same time like 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 what you just said with Beauty and the Beast, where it's like, his character, oh, it's like, even though there is a gay character, he's still portrayed as a buffoon, buffoonist, you know, comedy character, as opposed to just being, like, as opposed to being his own self. And... and it's, a one, it's one shot of the
1: movie that can easily be cut out for a Chinese release, which is what they do for a lot pretty of such Any, yeah, like, what they did with, um... Mulan. What was the Mulan or um, what was Star Wars? What was the most recent Star Wars movie? Rise of Skywalker. One, Rise of Skywalker. There's these two pilot women who kiss, and, and it's just thrown in there so that they could say, "Look, we have a gay character in Star Wars," and it's so they can cut the scene in China because yeah. it wouldn't get a general audience. Um, rating in China if it has a gay kiss in it. The problem is Star Wars isn't popular in China to begin with. So them doing that is for pennies in comparison in what they could be doing. They could have made Poe and um, Finn a gay couple. I ship it. They had more chemistry than any other romantic duo in that whole franchise. I don't think there was really any, but still, especially in the sequel trilogy. Oh yeah, yeah. It would have been nice if they were a thing. Like it gives Poe and Finn something to do, because they actually have. It seems like they yeah. were building that up. The
0: fact that but Poe and Finn keep. Yeah, it's just that Disney doesn't feel like they don't. They, it's like the, the weird thing is that Disney doesn't like even though they want to be progressive and all that stuff. It just feels like they don't want to pull the trigger and actually do a lot of this stuff. And when they do do these stuff, it's usually in uh, like Marvel stuff, because it's like, oh, you know, it's uh, what was it? Uh, the well, I think is, Black Panther. Like the it, like- yeah,
1: I think I think Black Panther is the one that definitely had the most balls when it came to confronting yeah. social issues because it its villain was someone who had a very sympathetic motivation oh yeah and they full out said the western world killed africa except for this one like they got the point of black panther across i think that is also why it worked it is what black panther was meant to represent marvel was never one to shine away from political issues x-men was created as an allegory for all forms of bigotry yeah, and they're about you know I mean it's literally called the Black Panther, Panther. there's no subtlety there yeah uh,
0: I, and the weird thing is is like they have great cast and you know great directors and all this stuff it's, and the weird thing is is like and I could actually tra- uh, not translate I, I could actually go segue into another thing was that Star Trek seems to be doing the same thing where it's like, oh, they're trying to be as progressive, you know, it's like it's weird because Star Trek, I actually, for the life of me, like a few years ago, I actually watched Star Trek in the first episode to its last uh, movie pre, pre-reboot, so I actually watched the first episode of Star Trek, went through all these stages of Star Trek where it was like horrible slow moving and then it became so great to actually watch and then they go and then you just and then you just finish with nemesis and just go like this is the type of stuff that they're gonna leave off of this is the this is the the final chapter in uh, star trek so it, it's like but nowadays it's like star trek has like gay characters and uh lbgq characters as well and people are like you know why is star trek it's like and the weird thing is it's like they actually have characters who are quote unquote, well, not quote unquote. They have characters who are literally like that already in the show. Um, one of the characters from Deep Space Nine, uh, what am I forgetting? Why am I forgetting her name? Uh, Dax, the Dax symbi- uh, uh, symbiote. I mean, symbiote. Damn it, random. <laughs> I'm always saying symbiote uh, wrong now because of that movie. Uh, Dax. For a uh, better term, could either be a a male or female because Dax was was able to essentially possess bodies. Uh, Odo. Odo was a changeling. He had no gender. He could either be male or female. And in the end, they didn't really say he was either male or female. He was just like Odo. The same thing with the other, the female changeling. He was like, even though she presented herself as female, they still were genderless. So it's like, and the weird thing is, like, they had this whole thing with gender, all that stuff, in, in Star Trek, and they handled it beautifully because Star Trek was made for that type of audience. And I think Star Wars and Disney itself have been trying to catch up with the way Star Trek was able to do the thing. It's just that, as I said before, or as we pointed it out, there's stuff that was prim- uh, problematic in some of the stuff with in the past is just that Disney doesn't want to, like... It's like them trying to remake an already problematic movie, i.e., you know, um, something. Yeah, like Dumbo itself. And saying, oh, you know, we updated it, you know. And I I believe I saw some of the uh, Dumbo remake. Possibly. I'm not really sure. But
1: it's the one that I have. It's one of the few I haven't seen. Um, But from what I heard, there's some. Deep animal welfare meaning. They cut the crows out, and they don't confront any of the. It from They're what honest. I've heard, it's just kind of tone deaf in the end. It reduces down to be nice to animals, which everyone already does, does for the most part. It's like P. T. Barnum Circus has uh, been dead for years now I don't think animal welfare in circuses is as huge a problem as it was a decade ago or even two today like it's
0: and it's actually bringing uh, bringing back a few I actually just started the greatest showman a few days ago because it randomly just came into mind like the greatest showman, and then I was like what TV barn like one Person to deal with in real life, and here they are trying to normalize them as being like almost like a a lovable rogue, where it's like, you know, I'm just doing this for the for just to make well, not make well, money, make money, and but also support people who I love and all that stuff. And then, and then when you look it, at in real life, it's just like, mm. it's, like mm-hmm. it's
1: generic, like it's the kind of movie that appeals to. to Maybe I'm just bitter because of terrible experiences in high school. But it appeals to these snot-nosed theater kids. Like, um, I remember when I went to go, I went to go see Beauty and the Beast remake with my uh, group of people. Who? Okay, so I was in uh, my high school's production of Beauty and the Beast my senior year. And it was the same month that the thank you i played maurice so the pun maurice went around like crazy <laughs> anyway so we decide let's all go to the theater after school and the movie theater will watch the remake it's a couple of weeks after the show's over everyone chooses a day a time whatever whatever i'm told to keep my mouth shut because i have been cynical about Every movie to exist because I'm an angsty 18-year-old, uh, but I do agree with 18-year-old me in the sense that the movie was not very good. But everyone's going crazy over all these little things, like "haha, the movie so self-aware, teehee. It's it's jokes that we make about it, and it seems like the Greatest Showman was targeted towards the same audience. This whole, this is this powerful, ballad, uplifting song that we're going to get an Oscar nomination for. Like the
0: type of stuff they'll that sense. you would hear like theater kids sing in the hallways like, as they're warming up. Like, yeah, me and all that stuff.
1: Like their, they, that's their audition song. That is yeah. what they'll play at a party and hype up over like they're unique. They won't play um, whatever's on the top 100 because they're too cool for that they got to put on you know a movie that grossed hundreds of millions by probably the same company that owns the record company that makes the top 100 stuff you're shitting on yeah it's and again i indulge in this i have seen most of the disney live action remakes in theaters i'm not much better for watching it um I like to say I do it for the sake of science, but that seems even more pretentious. Um, But, yeah, it's... It's the reason why these movies are making hundreds of millions of dollars. The lesson in the end is even Cats was not liked by this crowd. (laughs) Exactly. It's... Like, I see the social media, the people I went to high school with, and they're like, so I just saw Cats. I don't get it. I don't like it. Like... (laughs) That's how you know you messed
0: up yeah it, it's like for the most part and it's like what you just said before it's like I remember when I was in community college uh around the time gray showman or at least around the, these remakes came out it was like they, they would play or at least uh you know play on their you know iphones or you know uh uh i you know wherever the little. That boombox thing, uh, the portable box, uh, portable MP3 player thing, whatever it was called, and you know what I mean. Uh, you know what I mean, folks. Uh, anyway, uh, I but I remember a lot of this stuff is like they would play the same sort of music that would be on the top 100, but also they'd be playing like the theater cor- uh, crowd music, and it was like, oh, you know, this, you know, it's like, I, and, and the weird thing is, it's like. Like you were just said before, a lot of this music is terribly made for people of this caliber, where it's like they need audition songs you know? you know uh that that's why a lot of these new musicals, especially for the Disney ones, they put in new they put in like new songs for so many need so when people are looking for songs to to um to audition with, it's like oh, you know, this is a new song, so even though this just came out, no one has really done it. you're like, oh, it's like. If they do Les Misérables, it's like oh, they gotta do you know, they gotta do the same songs from Les Misérables and all that stuff. So when there's a new music, musical coming out, especially if it's like one of those uh, stage musicals and they have a new song, that's when you know they do it for like people like this. Where it's like they do it for people who really do love the the musicals and all that stuff. But at the same time, it can backfire like in Cats, where it's just like, no one really enjoyed it outside of people who were like, I don't want to say say Mascus, but people who were really curious about how bad that movie was.
1: And yeah, that's more or less why we watched it. I'm still <laughs> waiting on that butthole cut, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> there was this YouTube edit where they took the trailer and they added buttholes to the Cats, just because it Just hats, it just makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, it's but like a lot. I think a lot of the reason also why they add these songs is not just so that it can make extra money. Well, I mean, it is to make money in the end, yeah. it always comes down to money, but I think it's because, um, a lot of songs they can't be nominated for Oscars if they're from a musical already. If yeah. it's, um, so they will add new songs that are not from the Straits first and that have not been used before. The Beauty and the Beast remake replaces songs from the musical. Like they, It's interesting what they do. They have these four or five, I don't know how many new songs, but they all have the same purpose as songs that were added in the musical. Human Again, um, If I Can't Love Her... The only song that I think is an upgrade is the song "Maurice Gets," because it's not like forced in there. It feels like a it feels like it would work in the original movie, and it feels like it would work in the Broadway version. But whatever, it is that's actually the only upgrade overall. Just Kevin yeah. Klein. I love Kevin Klein, but um,
0: yeah. he he's an underrated um, actor as yeah. it is, and it's it's. it's Crazy how one of the last movies he was like that I saw him was like literally was I believe the Prairie Dog movie where he played some sort of detective at a radio station or something like that. And that was like years ago. I don't ago, know too. which one. Uh, um,
1: with but it's not new for movie musicals to have adaptation like to have not start to have their um soundtracks with one or multiple songs added to it Um, Hopelessly Devoted in Greece Little Shop of Forest has Mean Green Mother all of these and sometimes they do get added into the musical because they fit Um, but a lot of the time it's just because a lot of these like it comes down to whether the song makes sense or it seems like it's just forced in there. Les Mis is already two hours and something minutes long. It's pushing three hours if you take the stage version. Yeah. The movie doesn't need another number about Jean Valjean looking after um, Cosette. It's sweet. It adds more to their like, it adds more to Valjean's moral compass or whatever, but say you know, doesn't...
0: Stage-wise, stage it works for the stage. But musical, I mean, uh, film-wise, you're... you're- even, on, even in the
1: stage, it kind of breaks the mold of the movie, not in a good way. The thing about Lay Mis is it has all these motifs. The, the use of these motifs helps build the story. If you hear um if you are that's John Valjean's motif. But then, you know, um, Javert's, like, everyone has their own little um, motif, moments. Yeah. But this song feels like it's from a different musical. It doesn't use any mm. of the original motifs. And there's very few songs in Lame that do that, but they feel, they do feel like they fit in anyway because they're usually the bigger um actually i think there's only one song that is its own tune it's um it's the song at the end of the day but even then there's different breaks um where Fontaine goes into her motif um and the way that you enter and exit the song are both reoccurring motifs it's just now, a bit upsetting that they would ruin the pace of the movie with
0: that. Yeah, uh, which is weird I, never, I never actually bothered watching the the live action *Lemons*, but I know, but I've seen it enough times already just from like clips and memes alone, with you know Jabar uh, Jabber just like staring out the window, like like that sort of thing. But it's it, it gets to a point where it's like. I was actually going to segue into into my next question, which was film to musical adaptations, like the Heathers, the the Mean Girls, the Beauty Juices, uh, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factories, uh, musicals that essentially become, I mean, movie, I mean, properties that essentially do become musicals just because people have the rights to this property and they want to make a musical out of it. Do you see as, do you see something like that really working? Or is it just, or it, ha, or it has to do with the property itself? Because I know Little Shop of Horrors wasn't, a, a, if I remember correctly, it was only just a, a, a black and white movie that they made into a musical. And then the musical took itself off and then they remade the the movie by way of the musical. And now then remaking oh. the musical way of the musical again so i was like do you see i think it comes down to the i think
1: it comes down to the intent i get what you're saying like yeah is it a cash grab or is it from the heart i mean the purpose is always to make your money back so i do not blame i do not blame the artist if they have to cut something because of the audience even if they're really passionate about it but in the case of Little Shop of Horrors, it was clear Howard Ashman really was passionate about getting that adaptation on stage. It wasn't even that big of a movie before the musical. It was a little weekend improvised. It was practically a weekend improvised shoot from another set of Little Shop of Horrors. Um yeah. a lot of the, a lot of them just come down to how popular what they're adapting is. And if there's still the original artist at the helm, like um, the producers is one of the considered one of the greatest musicals of all time. It was a huge success critically and commercially. has the most Tony wins for any musical of all time. But it had Mel Brooks behind it. He wrote the yeah. songs. He wrote the script. He wrote pretty everything much everything. It. it was what like it's a. It's about a musical. It makes sense to be adapted. Meanwhile, Young Frankenstein has maybe a few musical numbers. It just felt a bit off. Um, I really loved The Band's Visit when it ran. It's not based on a huge movie. It's not like someone saw The Band's Visit and saw that The Band's Visit was a popular movie and said, yes, we need to make that into a movie. Oh, uh, sorry a musical it, it's some foreign egyptian Israeli movie about nothing. It's a quaint small musical. There's no big like opening number with dancing and anything like that. There's no big closing number. they're both very simple it's a, it's just overall a simple story yeah mean girls Heather's. Legally Blonde, Spongebob, okay, Spongebob was rare, I'm going to get to that, but those three are, um, they sound the same, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Matilda too, they all sound like this generic, like The Greatest Showman, where they'll have the one big, I'm not like anyone else, or whatever kind of number, like, I take my stand, this is me, waving through a window whatever that's not i mean that's based on a book but still it's it is the same generic sounding broadway 21st century broadway sound with your belter your tenor lead bass baritone villain it's the same thing over and over again um SpongeBob is an exception because the first half of it is actually pretty solid, and if you... Have you seen the SpongeBob musical? No, I haven't. The set is made of recycled uh, materials, like a lot of pool floaties or uh, pool noodle spaghetti things. Like, it really had a lot of fun with itself. Um, Story-wise, it wasn't great, but it still was pretty damn fun it was a good time it's it's lightning in a bottle and i am afraid that a lot more when broadway reopens whenever that is if it reopens hopefully it does um, yes i'm afraid a that like a broadway. lot of yeah i i am afraid of a lot more adaptations like spongebob where it takes a well-known property i mean That already happens. Adam's family, Spider Man.
0: Yeah, Spider Man. uh, Again, I I always bring this up sometimes, but uh, my one of my uh, professors in community college, he actually was uh, not not one not a theater manager for the show, but he actually worked like within the company that I believe. or or at least work for one of the theaters that was like closely related to that theater. And he goes, I could tell you a lot about Spider-Man turn off the dog, but I really don't because that could be its own class by itself or maybe even multiple classes. But, and there is a great, uh, mini doc from waiting in the wings about it. And it's like, it is insane because it's like, I, I didn't even even notice like, like, the reason why a lot of Turn of the Dark was uh, so mismanaged was because they really didn't have, because the people who were originally going to do it just bowed out like almost at the last second. And they basically gave creative control to, I mean not bowed out, the person who was originally going to do it died and then the person who did do it didn't have no like management skills whatsoever. And then you have Bono too, basically doing the same thing where he, you know, you gotta you got make a stupid star like Bono who's frankly still doing songs by himself, you know, uh, with U2 and stuff like that. So it's like, it, it's insane to even think about, oh, this is just gonna be a music about Spider-Man. And then when you learn about the, the, the backstory and all that stuff, it's insane because it's just like, like this type of stuff you were, like this is the type of stuff you will watch in a movie, especially about what happens in a uh, like a production, all that stuff. But, uh, Sp- yeah, Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. I feel like that could have been a good musical, and it probably was becoming a good musical towards the end of its rope. But I mean, you know, error. But then it had just gone off the rails, like literally so many other times. so it's like, so by the time it literally shut down, it was like. It's like, it, it's like, you, they finally brought up, uh, you know, they finally turn off the dog on Spider-Man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, th- th- it, it's weird because there are properties that do work, especially when it becomes like, uh, stage, I mean, from screen to stage adaptations. And then there are properties that really don't really work, but they still try and work. Cause I remember actually going to see Twitchy with my best friend last year and she had gotten tickets to see that because, you know, her workplace was giving it out to her, you know, work, stuff like that. And I was amazed how well they actually made Twitchy more relevant now because it's like, oh, you know, even though Jeff, I mean, yeah, even though Jeff isn't a, a TV actor anymore, he's a Broadway actor or at least a working Broadway actor, you know, like that sort of thing. So even though they changed it from TV to Broadway, it's like that thing still does work But it's like what we were talking about before. It's still problematic because they're still doing the whole, oh, you know, he's still dressing up as a woman thing, even though he's obviously a cis male and all that stuff. And he's obviously straight. He's obviously hitting on this woman, even though he's dressed as a woman. You know, he's letting other men come on to him, even though it's played off. It's like, oh, you know, know, even now there are beats that are from the movie that work. In the movie because it was made in 1982, so early 80s really didn't have the same type of uh, tenacity that it has now. Where it's like, oh, you know, you can make that type of jokes, but it has to be, like, those type of jokes have to be more mindful about what you're making fun of. Like, oh, it's like if you try to make someone, uh, like, there are a lot of stuff where, where if the character is in drag... There has to be a reason why they're in drag, other than oh, you know, they were just in, they're just in drag and all, all that stuff. You know, the character could be like that, just in, you know, the, you know, you can introduce that character as like, oh, I'm just gonna go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Don't mind me, that sort of thing. You know, it could obviously be waved off, but then there are a lot of stuff that were was carried over in from the movie where it doesn't feel like it works because of you know today's standards. So yeah, and. What you're just talking about with light, Lighting the Bow there, again, Tochi would have worked better if it was like managed or at least written better in terms of not only distancing themselves away from uh, from the movie into the musical itself. Because the musical was fine, it's just that a lot of the stuff in the musical really carries over to the stuff in the movie and it doesn't really work now because it feels very tone deaf considering like especially in hindsight where it's like oh you know when you're watching the thing by yourself you kind of don't mind it because it's like oh it's just a performance it's just like it doesn't really matter but when you want and then you when you think about it like maybe a couple of days later like after everything has like uh what's the term where everything has like settled down and you start on like really really think about this movie or tv show or whatnot it's like you know, a lot of it didn't really make sense. This really didn't feel like the type of thing that they were trying to do. So, yeah. It's odd how... And it's like what you just said before. When Broadway does reopen, as far well hopefully next year, I wouldn't be surprised if they do more of this thing where it's like they add more screen stage adaptations or at least rehash old adaptations. Because I know you know, the Music Man is coming back again, Hugh Jackman again, he I was like, make a star, and he is, you know, talented as a singer for the most part, and, but it won't officially open until 2022, and the, the previews open in uh December 2021, so that's a long wait, especially, you know, especially with Broadway, so if the Music Man, and again, the Music Man is a, highly, you know, highly, you know, highly regarded music, I mean musical, and then you have people who are waiting, like, literally until next year to see this thing, or at least in two years or so, but yeah, it, when Broadway does reopen, I don't, I like, I do see, like, all these um, uh, revivals, like, really popping up just to get people back into theaters and all that stuff. Especially if it's a especially if it's like the like someone decides to do the producers again because if it worked like twenty years ago, it could work again. Or not twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, or when the. I think
1: it's just Mel Brooks is very timeless in most of his humor. There's very little that doesn't age well. He has his philosophy with like his comedy. He will people use him as an argument, like for making yeah. jokes, but in the end, he like. He doesn't do it for the sake of being just edgy. He does it to make a statement. The butt of the joke is never someone who is part of an oppressed group. It's always the oppressor itself. Yeah. The butt of the joke in The Producers is Nazis. The butt of the joke in um, Blazing Saddles is racists. And uh, the that's... Really what it always comes down to his jokes will never be at the expense of someone who has been through shit
0: yeah uh, so. but yeah uh, I feel like this whole discussion is like but uh, it actually does make a lot of sense because I you know even though I don't have a musical background, I feel like there is still a musical background for me because even as an actor, I still enjoy musicals so that yeah you you don't need
1: to be a gourmet chef to know when something tastes good or bad.
0: Yeah. But I think, though, it's like there are certain musicals that should stay on the stage, be done on the stage, and there should be movies that could become musicals only done in the right direction. But I think it's like what we're trying talk- it's like what you were just talking about before is like how many are there, uh, cra- uh, you know, uh, Cash grabs, you know, and, and again, going back to Music Command, even though that's not cash grab, the theater itself, the Winter Garden, you know, that's the Cats Theater. That's, you know, that's where Cats was for the longest time. And I, and before Beauty Juice actually got there was School of Rock. And I believe, and and the weird thing is, ah, School of Rock, that's not a cash grab. That actually works in the notion of it being a musical because. It's really about a musician teaching a class how to perform music and all that stuff. So that could actually work well as a musical. Because you have, like, the note, you you really have the bits and bits. You literally have the beats of how to write a musical with that sort of thing in mind. But it's, like, the same thing with... um, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I didn't realize that was a musical until I read about it and I was like, why would you make a Charlie in the Chocolate Factory musical? It, that doesn't feel like it makes sense. Like, oh, okay, you know, you know, Willie Walker has, you know, Gene Wilder, he has like a great song in the thing and, you know, the Oopo Loopa song too is like, you only have like a couple of songs in that movie or at least yeah, in that movie, but it can't really work itself as a musical unless it's like one of those self-parody musicals where it's like it parries the musical aspect but at the same time it actually works well as a musical but even then you could tell what songs were written
1: for the stage version which ones are from the movie not just because they're iconic but because the ones in the movie are not overly long they don't really focus on they don't really focus on the spectacle of being in a Broadway musical setting. They are, I mean, with the exception of maybe uh, Pure Imagination and Candyman, there's not, like, the Umbuluba song, it's it that's is like a short. part that's of that's the like, character.
0: Yeah, that's like a that's short song altogether. All no, It's a,
1: a no, short little time. poem within the book. That's yeah. it or not even then, that's the one that's more accurate would be, I guess, the songs in the Tim Burton version because those actually are a lot more... Oddly enough, the Tim Burton version has some aspects that are more book accurate than the um, original Willy Wonka version. I, again, recently, not super recently, but I think, like, last month, I watched both of them... um, like back-to-back nights and they i didn't feel tired of the same story they're two different movies they're both fine one's clearly way better than the other but (laughs) they're their own thing i feel like a lot of the hate for the tim burton version comes from people who are comparing them They're, they're different movies
0: yeah, and and the fact that Tim Burton and the fact Tim Burton casts like you know uh, Johnny Depp 2 as Willy Wonka, where there could be different other people as Willy Wonka, it's like, and and I'm not saying that uh, Johnny Depp isn't a bad singer. He is a great singer, but it's like the idea of him as Willy Wonka is I mean like too on news. And, like Willy Wonka would always be it has to be the, like the most least likely. Person to expect, and then you cast giant dip. is like man, that's pretty on and those casting. Uh, uh burden. So it's like, I think, I think
1: it kind of works sometimes. Um, and then it, it's not about him. I think it's just the fact that they gave him too much of a backstory. Yeah, that that too. If they went with the original storyline and had it that he's looking for an heir to his chocolate factory, I think that would work pretty okay. I think they just... I think it's the... It's not even maybe the... It's not even the fact that he had a backstory. I think it's the backstory itself is just too ridiculous, which is weird to say for the whole point of Charlie and the Chalk, like the whole point of the book and the movie of uh, Charlie, I guess Billy Wonka from the movie, but the whole point is it's a plain and simple normal world with a ridiculous factory. But yeah. the backstory of Char- of Charlie made me crack up with how not Charlie, Willie Wonka made me crack up with how stupid it was in the Tim Burton version His father's a dentist. Yeah. And he tries candy and he goes on about how he's going to see the candy capitals of the world. And he walks through a hall of flags and tries to go home after 20 minutes. And within those 20 minutes, his father yeets his dentist office and home into nothingness into the middle of nowhere just because his son tried some candy that's a bit too ridiculous for the real world it makes the chocolate factory seem kind of plain it's it like kind of just breaks the fourth wall the movie in a
0: weird way yeah well not the fourth it, wall but it, it like just it, kind of it, makes it the relates movie feel- Actually relates back to another Tim Burton movie, uh, Edward, where, where Edward literally goes to either one of the producers, and he goes, "Have you ever heard? Of the, have you ever heard of the willing suspension of disbelief? Like, like that that the suspension of disbelief is like." And then the like I haven't really watched Charlie and the Target in so long, even though we had the Blu Ray. But I remember the scene where it's like the guy, like Lily, just disappears. Like the whole thing just like disappears. I'm like. He goes to – like, yeah, he actually goes to meet, go, go back to his father and I father's his name in there anymore. So Yeah, it's, it's
1: – when you're going back to the real world, you're supposed to, with Willy Wonka and the Chalk Factory, the whole point is your suspension of disbelief kicks in when Gene Wilder, as Willy Wonka, sticks shows up. cane into the ground. Yeah, the second he's there, goodbye suspension disbelief you have to rely on that to watch the movie. The Charlie yeah. and Chocolate Factory, it feels sort of like the real world sometimes and then it feels sort of like a fantasy world when you're in the yeah. real world. And then you enter the factory and it's always consistently ridiculous with bad CGI backdrops. I didn't realize how poorly they aged, but some of them are really bad, especially The Great Glass Elevator. And then They cut back to the real world uh, with, you know, Willy Wonka's little family flashbacks. And they're just as ridiculous as the factory. Yeah. Um, And then the second is dad just... The best way I put it is yeet his office (laughs) out of existence. (laughs) What's the point? What's the point anymore? It's... There's there's no distinction between the factory that makes it any more special at that point. It's such a small thing but it is I think what drags the movie down the most. Not Johnny Depp like I hear a lot of complaints about. It's
0: that. Yeah, it's... uh, I mean, we know for a fact that Tim Burton has a style and especially if you watch his early movies, especially from... It's weird how you go from something like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, you know, Batman Returns, and then the moment he does, like, after Edward or so, it's like he just starts, like, going into, like, the whole Tim Burton land, where it's just like he has this, like, very gothic feel of everything. And it gets a little old after a while, because when Tim Burton does the, the mundane and... Because I will do this... I will say this: like during the t- there is a movie where he actually balances it so well that you can you really do think it is in the real world, and there is a fantasy role, and that's Big Fish. And Big Fish is literally the same thing, where it's like, you know, Ewan McGregor's father like talk, talks about. I mean, Ewan McGregor's father. Um, who's it called? Uh, Dr. Mahan, uh, the guy who plays Dr. Mahan, uh, Billy Kubrick, Kubrick, Kubrick. You know, I think that's who it is. He talks to his father about all these grand tales, and he's talking about how, you know, he meets, you know, Danny DeVito as a, uh, was like a warthog, like, circus performer or something like that. And then he's like, you know, these are just tall tales. But in the end, when he's going to lay his father to rest, all these tall tales just happen to be real, and it's like, the, and like that is the type of movie that where it's like uh, Burton is able to both balance the whole real world aspect because this takes place really in reality, and then he takes place in like almost like a fantasy reality where a lot of this doesn't make any sense because it feels like tall tales, but in the end, it does. And actually, it does make sense because these are actual real people. These actually, you know, these events actually happen. So it's, it, the weird thing is, like, Burton can actually do the balance between real world and fantasy world, but I think, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, he lets the fantasy world like really, really take over, and a lot of it doesn't really make sense. because you know, there is that willing suspense of disbelief, and you know, I could be watching a movie, and I'm just like, you know, uh, take for instance, Dark Shadows, is like, you know which I feel was all right, you know, it, even though the it's, you know, based off a of show opera, it's like, you would have to imagine a show opera or a movie being like very, very grain and, you know, scaleless and all that stuff. It's like, it has a twist and turns of a show opera, so there's that. But at the moment Barnabas Collins uh, wakes up in, the, in where he is now, like the, like, the first thing he sees are the golden arches of McDonald's. It's like, you know, it's so you're telling me that Bar, uh, Barber's Collins, when Eva, uh, you know, Eva Green, Eva Green, uh, sorry, Eva, even though I love you, Eva Green buried him at, you know, wherever he was. You're telling me that out of all the places that he was buried, when he wakes up, the first thing he sees when he comes out of his coffin is a McDonald's. Out of all the places, it's like that. It's like the it's like the joke from <laughs> it's like the Aurora Borealis joke from The Simpsons. Out of all the places, out of all the places in the world, an Aurora Borealis manifests manifests in your kitchen. So yeah, like it's it, it just felt like the movie was more
1: focused on being. Ridiculous than actually being entertaining and the problem was it wasn't it didn't commit to the ridiculous aspect enough. It just felt like ridiculous equals funny. There's no payoff for anything. You yeah. know, it's just like it's McDonald's, it's funny because McDonald's, it's McDonald's. there's yeah, lots it's of seventies the too,
0: so Yeah. But it's just like the you know. It's just a notion of it's like, oh, out of all the places that Barnabas happens to wake up, the first thing he sees that's coming out of, you know, coming into the real world, the present world of 1970s is a McDonald's. That kind of just like takes you out of it because, you know, it's like even though it's iconic, McDonald's, at the same time, he could just see, is like, oh, it's just like the woods, okay, well, let me just go out the woods. You know, but I can understand that if McDonald's got some sponsorship deal for the movie, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, they definitely did. There's no way around that. This is
1: 100% a product placement. I don't think there's any way around that.
0: Yeah. So, and... It's like, like... And I think... Back to the musicals itself, it's like a lot of a lot of those musicals, especially the, the, the screen like the stage the screen ones, like they have a good willing dis, uh, willing suspense of disbelief. It's just that a lot of those movies kinda like cut it the moment some of the stuff really doesn't make any sense. So yeah, it's it's odd. At the same time I feel like there are good musicals, but it's just that it just depends on which musical you're watching. Because, you know, we both agree, like, Little Shop of Horror is, is an excellent musical, both on stage and on film. But I'm pretty sure there's probably people who don't like the movie and only prefer the uh, the stage one, or people who don't like the stage one and prefer the movie. So it's like, there's always got to be that, like, middle ground, where it's just like, I prefer the movie. I prefer the stage one. Okay, well, agree to disagree. So, but, yeah, it, I think... It all has to do with just handling of like how well, not only and, and we'll, and to tie it back to what you were saying about Steam and before, is like we all have to do with company, you know, it's, uh, uh, production companies who have that, like they do very good, like every so often they have that good film and then they have that <laughs> films where it's like, you know, uh, uh like Disney just had you know, just released uh, Mulan and that kinda like got reviewed to hell and back. And the previous year they you know, they released uh both Aladdin and The Lion King as their big screen you know, uh live action adaptation. So They both broke a billion. Yeah. But Milan no how bad they were reviewed. Mulan yeah. came
1: out on a streaming service because of COVID. COVID. All of this,
0: yeah, so. Which is another argument, which is another thing I feel, like I, could go into another, I feel like I could go into another thing, which is is how bad the COVID thing has gone with the movie theater, of you know. It, just the other day, I, uh, yeah, just the other day, um, I was out doing a drama review, and I was passing by an old movie theater. Old movie theater <laughs> I was passing by a movie theater, and the movie theater that was being uh promoted at the time was uh, you know Visible Man, uh Spiral from the Book of Sorrow, which was supposed to come out in May, and you know, yeah. Life, which was supposed to come out this summer. I mean, this past summer, which got pushed back to next summer, actually. So summer again. And and a couple of other movies, unless like and I, And just earlier today, I just passed by even though this might be because they haven't really updated some of the uh, uh, updated some of the uh, ads around here, I just saw an ad for playing the Fire. I'm like, this is a movie that came out last year, so And the funny thing is, there's always a, a cab around here that lives around my neighborhood that has an ad for 1917. So it just goes to show you how bad the COVID thing really hit not only the Ntail. Yeah. Also, the film side too, because the film side, like all these places that are shut down, they have essentially movies that are like literally frozen in time. Like what, what, whatever was re- released the weekend before everything shut down, that was what that was on the marquee, and people have marquees of for movies that are supposedly coming out now, and they're gonna be pushed back to you know next year or so, so. I I remember um, early on in this
1: pandemic I was just looking it up now that James Bond was the first movie that got delayed because of COVID Uh, and it was a big deal that was getting delayed to November and everyone was losing their shit like November this pandemic will be over by summer it's no big deal and look where we are now back to square one we're back to square one, where if something's being released to note, like, if something was planned for November, it's not happening. They're already delaying it to 2021, but I am banking on some 2021 movies
0: getting delayed at this point. Um, yeah, uh, it's, like, I would, it's like Black Widow was supposed to like, Widow, uh, Fast 9, sorry, F9 I should say. Uh, they delayed that one by a
1: whole year, which was a good call i thought that i was one of those people who thought it was ridiculous that that one got a whole year delay but kudos to universal for actually realizing that people are really dumb i guess it makes sense that universal knows that people are dumb they've released nine fast and furious movies so uh and they've made billions of dollars
0: like the uh, speaking of universal uh a couple of the horror movies actually got shifted around too. Uh Candyman was supposed to come out uh just just last month for this Halloween season. Well, not uh, well originally Candyman was supposed to come out in the summer, but they got pushed back to September, so it'll come out into you know October, so people could go see the movie. And then it got, oh, by the way, movies being released uh sometime next year. We don't know when. Halloween Kills was supposed to come out next month got delayed to another year. It's like people have, like someone at Universal knows like something's really wrong with the scheduling right now and they don't want to push movies out now because there aren't that many places out there to release movies, it, like Tenant. Tenant just came out and it really didn't do that well here because there aren't many places physically to actually open up and actually see a movie here. You know, Cuomo hasn't opened up, the, like, oh, today, as of right here, you know, uh, as of, uh, what is it, October, what is it, October 23rd, the movie theaters outside of New York City are open up, at least temporarily. they got to start doing, you know, they're testing the waters to see how it is. But it's a in-
1: bad idea. Yeah, no matter how you spin it, it is a bad idea. The sooner you do this stuff, the longer you're going to have to wait for actual releases. I think yeah. it's I think it is ridiculous that businesses are just in general, not just entertainment, but that things are reopening when we are entering what might like this is the third wave in the US now. Things started to get better around Like September, late August. Yeah. But the second spike hit early summer, and now I feel like the third spike is going to hit around winter. Like, we, the U.S. needs to handle this better. Like, I, just thinking about movie theaters is just bumming
0: me out. Like, the fact that. And and the weird thing is, the same could be the same for music vendors, too, because they're all who really do miss being I like like I miss being on the stage I miss performing in front of a crowd I miss you know acting out in lines I'm pretty sure yeah. that I'm pretty sure you have musician friends who miss being out on the stage and you know performing like
1: yeah
0: hours for a set or something like that or maybe even 30 minutes something like that even if it's like 30 minutes there's something about being on a stage that you just miss like especially as an actor or musician or Former in general, and right now it's just there isn't no like there isn't no where. The best way I describe it: there's no possible way for someone to actually figure out when everything this you know when everything could actually be go back to normal. As of right now, there could be no normality to what's been going to happen, especially with COVID. Even though there could be a vaccine and a lot of stuff, it's still going to be around. It might not yeah. be as powerful as it once was back in early August, back in early March, where it was a you know pretty big problem. I mean, even now, it's
1: not, when it comes to the body count of it, it is not. I mean, even in the US, it's very bad. The fact that the number is still in the hundreds every day. Yeah. But for. Every world that has handled it, it is not as bad. I, actually, no, I'm also going to argue the U.S. because we did go from thousands to just hundreds, which is not a win at all. I am yeah really upset that that's the win, but if people were less dumb, if this was handled better early on, our numbers would be a fraction of what they are now. Yeah, and I- this would would be, this would be the point where things should be reopening with yeah. a second or a third spike. This would have been the perfect time. but Espe-
0: Especially since in the next, like, month or two, uh, it'll be the holiday season. People could go back to, the yeah. actually, you know, the amount of people who... The economy who... is okay. going to get... Granted, yeah, granted, though, it's like, even if COVID had, you know, gone away and all that stuff you still have to have some restrictions about people being close to Santa Claus, and all that stuff. You can't I, I doubt Santa will be able to yeah. like, okay, little girl, what do you, okay, yeah, it's, it's, you can't it's, be on this, you know you know, especially considering the amount of germs a child has already had, you know, not bad mouthing children. I'm just saying children carry a lot more germs than possible massive thing. But anyway, again, not children. I would love a child myself, but uh, handling a child, it's like you would be already sick by the end of the day. But yeah, it's... If everything had gone normal, and by the end of the summer, everything had gone so normal, all that stuff, but the moment schools decided to reopen, especially private schools and all this stuff, that's when everything decided to go back to puckery, uh, Whereas it's just like all the Well, then also people who actually left New York City by the summer came back, and then, you know, it's like, especially those who were on vacation for the, like, the past three months, it was like, those who left New York City before the end of June or so, and then came back at the start of, at the end of August, September or so, like, they may have been a reason to because it was about people who were, I'm not blaming anybody who were, Taking vacations from Manhattan or New York City in general, I could you know I would love to have taken a vacation somewhere for three months and you know come back.
1: Same here. This yeah. place that I live in right now, there's the reason I'm moving out. Ah, uh, yeah. This window doesn't really look at anything. It just goes into this weird little alley corner with uh no exit and it's uh not happy it is not very pleasant
0: yes but yeah it's weird that you have and and it goes back to the business itself is that covid really has screwed up a lot unless you're in television right now because television seems to be a lot more handling things somewhat better compared to other things like even though filming is going back, especially for both TV and film, this, you know, I feel like the performers in general have gotten the short end of the straw where it's just like, people can't be on stage because, oh, it's a tight restriction, you know, tight space and stuff, even though there are people who aren't set, like nine hours a day who film for, like, maybe one, two, three scenes, depending on how many people are there. And I've been on sets that have lasted hours on end. You know, even if it's a skeleton crew of maybe two or three people, and the, and the actors are like maybe six people altogether, that's like maybe close to 10 people in a small space as it is. And people are afraid to perform again, but I understand the whole notion of you know, some of the movies, th- both in the movie theaters in general and some of the performance spaces, especially in Manhattan, are small. Like the Mahan, the performing spaces, like black box theaters, all this stuff, uh, you know, off-Broadway theaters, they can be very small. Uh, so I can understand them wanting to wait a while for everything to, you know, remodel, all that stuff, but yeah, it, it I, I guess to end my, uh, I my thought. With uh, football here with uh, COVID, in terms of both business and also just production in general.
1: Yeah, it's just it, it's a hard time. I mean, it's pretty much rehashing what's been said for the last eight months now. It's just hold out Wait for stuff to get
0: better. Uh, and then the moment the stuff gets better, there's a spike, and then to go back to square yeah. one.
1: The, the thing is, things didn't get better in the US. Things have gotten better in other countries with still decent sized populations. But like yeah. New Zealand doesn't really see any new cases. If they do, it is a small, like. Th- three or four cases in one day and then none for a month or two. Yeah. And it makes sense that they would re-elect their prime minister because she's been doing a very good job there. Yeah. Um, Not here to spew my political beliefs, but I will. If Trump gets re-elected, that is just evidence that we are probably the dumbest country of all time because just the way he's handling it alone should be a red flag. Let's not, let's, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to underplay the racism or countless sexual assault cases against him. 200,000 people have died in this country. It's, he has pretty much killed every industry in the U.S. at once, include like, entertainment was already kind of
0: going down. Like it was already, yeah, entertainment already was already like, entertainment would be like, hey, we'll we'll be back, don't worry. It's like, it's like taking a uh, mid-season break. It's like, hey, we we you know, we need like a few weeks to recover ourselves. It's a big cliffhanger, but the cliffhanger that that was left on, he's got to be stretched out for a long, long time. like, It's like, the best way to describe it is like uh, those weird series that have like, that's usually like split in parts and they have to like, like one, like, well, okay. The sad thing is like, you have to wait a whole year for another season to come out. And I just miss... My TV shows. I just miss watching, you know, the stuff that I watch on CW, like the Super, like Supergirl, The Flash, Lessons of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, stuff like that. And I'm gonna have to wait, you know, pr- you know practically January, February for the, all that stuff to come back on. And what what is there to watch now? When a lot of this stuff I, you know, I can't really watch a TV, my TV as it is, because I have no signal in this room. So it's like so yeah
1: it's it it
0: it is like but i do agree is like a lot of what was handled in this administration is really bad and not only from a personal perspective but i feel like a lot of it just all around has just been like handled just badly and it just goes to show you even if you agree with someone in power it doesn't mean that they're running things in shape. It just means they are just running things efficiently. If they're running things efficiently in shape, then okay. But if they're just running things efficiently and not taking care of everything, it's just like it is what it is. But I feel like that's a good way to stop the episode. <laughs> I,
1: right.
0: feel, I I feel like I depressed everyone long enough about COVID and entertainment. But COVID, yeah, and this and, and is. It, 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 There's we're, no way
1: around it at this point.
0: Yeah, it, like, it's like a lot of this stuff has been like just and just and which just came to mind was Euphoria. I haven't really watched the show yet, though I am probably going to watch it maybe sometime in the future because I want to watch that on Lovecraft. Uh, yeah, Lovecraft. Lovecraft County because I heard both of those shows are pretty good. And I love my Lovecraft, and I love how, in other words, I love how, I, I love horror in general. Sort of and I know Zendaya just said, oh, yeah, by the way, there's two specials coming off of your furrier, so don't worry about that. And the weird thing is, that first table tableweed for season two of the show happened the day before everything shut down. So you could tell everyone's ready to do season two of the show. And then you have to wait, like literally, another year or so for everything just to go back to normal. Because imagine being able to shoot something over the summer and then have everything premiered, everything at the end of the year or something like that, just for a TV series alone, especially on HBO. So, yeah, a lot of the stuff that no, it's like it's not only just movies that are, are uh, that are being uh, like screwed over COVID, but it's also TV, it's also music because there are bands that were gonna be doing concerts and stuff like that who had to reschedule everything. You know, uh, I know my brother said a lot of one of this like a lot of bands who were going on their farewell tours had to reschedule for another year. You know, I know Elton John was gonna be performing in uh, around this time either too, but I'm pretty sure he's gotta reschedule for another year or so. You know? Yeah. So. Just to end on this episode on this note, COVID has kind of destroyed a lot of things, especially in the entertainment business, but I know Mo has a great sounding mind anyway, so it's like that's why I love talking to him because he, you know, I may disagree on some of the things or may agree with some of the things, but he is a sounding mind and he is talking a lot of sense. I hope I am talking sense too. Yeah. You are. So, thank you. Uh, so I do have three questions left. One, Do you have any advice to those who are watching or listening right now, especially those who are struggling musicians or struggling filmmakers or just struggling performing artists in general?
1: Uh, As a fellow struggling performing artist, uh, uh, vote. Vote early if you can. Have a plan. Uh, And now more than ever, I don't know when this is airing, but Probably. Whenever, Maybe. by the end of the year? Probably. Well, so. uh, good luck on <laughs> whoever ended up becoming our next, next president. President, for our president for the next four years, because we're either about to have four more years of COVID, or four years of someone who will do a fine enough job. Um, so, I, it's one, what was the second and third?
0: Oh uh, so advice. Uh, second one is you know, creatively, th- do you have any projects that you could talk about that's on the rise or any projects that you feel like you What's want like products uh, of what I?: was that, Yeah, products, projects of yours that you feel like are close enough to uh, say, "Hey, I have this thing pro- coming out soon. You might want to check it out.
1: I don't have anything coming out soon, but I recently did a music video for a friend. Uh, Watermelon by Bell Holiday. Uh, not recently. I realized it came out in August, but two months ago still. It's That's interesting. Still yeah. Great performer. I worked on it with uh, Gab. It was um, quite the... It took six weeks to make. It was so difficult to animate but it was worth it it's probably my favorite thing i've made so far and um yeah i don't want to hear that song again because i've heard it hundreds of times but it is a good song if you're hearing it for the first time uh and it's a good music video if you're watching it for the first time so i think you should check it out it's on youtube
0: and my third and final question is very easy. Uh, do you have any social media? Do you want to plug? Um, my
1: Instagram is mo underscore seffer, and I do a weekly comic strip for Brooklyn College. Vinny the at Binny the Goat underscore BC. It's uh every Wednesday except for this week and two weeks ago because we were not great with scheduling it, but whatever, every Wednesday during the semester.
0: Yeah, I know it's uh, one one of the reasons why I wanted to graduate as early as possible, especially going into this year. But I I just started as a senior going, I just can't do, it was like one, I wasn't even thinking about the fall this year. I was just thinking about earlier this year when I was like, I need need to graduate as soon as possible. And I had just had enough credits to do that. Because I knew, like if I had continued on college for this fall, especially with this election going on, I just, I just wouldn't be one of, I just don't want to be on campus, especially with an election going on. So if this was, yeah, our-
1: I, I can only imagine what that turning point, uh, dude with his table would. I, yes. I just want to know what he's doing now. Like, does he just set up his table in his house, like complaining about? shit trying to be contrarian like oh murder is all right which you can trust me that dude has said that um yeah
0: those who don't know there is a turning point I I believe a turning point chapter or maybe point representative or something like that of yeah it's it's weird it's also a a social I think a socialist uh, thing too unless that's the same thing I don't even know anymore
1: they pretty much are. Even though politically, I agree with the Socialist Club at Brooklyn College, they are apparently as problematic. They have an issue with diversity, um, mm. and yeah, uh, at the very least, the turning point uh, the turning point guy is straightforward about his racism and misogyny. The Socialism Club apparently will like try to snatch you up because of their good beliefs and then shit on you if you're a minority or woman, which is always entertaining. It gives, gives people with my political beliefs, a great name, really tired of college politics.
0: (laughs) And on that note, I think that's a good way to end this episode. Uh, (laughs) As always, it's Brandon Davis. Thank you again for watching this episode. It's probably going to be split into two butts. I really don't care anymore. I love it when I split these two episodes in butts. Anyway, Mo, thank you again for being on my show. And, yeah, just take care. Please just stay safe, be well, and wear a damn mask. I do.